Welcome back to the Recovery Lifestyle Podcast. This is Chris, and I'm joined in studio by John. Today, we're continuing our series on intimacy anorexia, which is defined as the active withholding of emotional, spiritual, and sexual intimacy from the spouse. Have you ever felt so busy, staying so busy that you have little relational time for your partner? Do you ever blame them instead of owning your own issues? Do you withhold love from your partner? Do you withhold praise or appreciation? Do you withhold sex, withhold spirituality? Do you have an unwillingness or inability to discuss feelings? Do you have an ongoing or ungrounded criticism causing isolation? Are you controlling by anger or silence? Do you control or shame your partner with money issues? Then, my friend, you might be an intimacy anorexic. Whether you have one, two, three, or all of these characteristics, uh, we're making an episode pretty much one by one at this point. Last week, we spoke about criticism. Today, we're speaking about anger and silence. Yeah, Chris, uh, good to see you again. Um, Man, one of the things when I was getting ready for this, uh, re-reviewing some of the stuff on intimacy anorexia, there was a note that's in Dr. Weiss's book that said, I only need five of these to be considered an intimacy anorexic. And I thought that was really almost shocking. I thought it would have needed seven or eight to be considered an intimacy anorexic. I know I've had all 10. Um, and I, I had imagined that almost everybody in recovery has at least five of these. <clears throat> so that's that's why we're talking about this. We want to shine a light on it. Uh, I'd encourage people to go back and listen to all the previous episodes. We did an, e- an overview. We went through uh, the first eight. Now we're on number nine, anger and silence. And and this controlling by anger or silence. So two elements to this one, right? Um, there's, there's controlling, either using this overt, maybe even rage, anger, or silence, which is more of a passive-aggressive type of of anger, and it's meant to push away our spouse. Um, and and here's what Dr. Weiss said about the anger: the anger explosion is often over something minor, and is a great tool to push the spouse away and avoid giving their hearts to them. Uh, I can totally relate to that. It's like these. <clears throat> I let these little things add up, then I get pissed, and it's a great way to push my wife away and avoid that that intimacy. Remember last week, I think it was last week we were talking about where um, it's not that I don't want sex, right? I'm, I'm an intimacy anorexic who wants sex, so how confusing is that for my wife, right? Like, I want to be sexual with her, but I don't want to be intimate. Hmm. I want to get physically, but I don't want to give from my heart emotionally. Um, So I think that it's something we have to learn, learn how to do. I don't know about you. I'm really good on the passive aggressive one. Uh, I'm always thinking of little, little snarky comments. I think sarcasm plays into um, passive aggressive type of anger. Um, or, you know, Dr. Weiss described these people who give their spouse the silent treatment, like literally don't talk to each other for days. And while <clears throat> I've never done anything like that, but I can, I sometimes feel it where it's like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to say anything. 
I'm just going to shut up. I'm not talking anymore. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say a word until she says something to me. It's like a, almost like a child. Can you relate to that? So about silence, I think there's a time and place for that silence. Mm. If what's if the only thing that's going to come out of my mouth is toxic, mm. better to not say anything seriously. Yeah, good point. By your tongue. I will I will I will have to apologize later for distancing myself while I can calm down. You see John anger is the natural place that I go when mm-hmm. anything's uncomfortable. Yeah. I get angry when my wife and I were engaged and she was in my apartment and I would go off on her and be angry and she one night she said, "Oh, I'm I'm leaving." I said, "You step out that door, you can never come back." I controlled her through. She didn't step out the door. Yeah. And I, that, how can, that was the definition of controlling through anger. Right. It was my way to grab hold of the, the, the people around me and control them for sure. Like, it's gotta be my way. Is this going to cause Chris to explode today? Mm -hmm. What version of him am I going to get? And, and anyway, um, so I'm I'm intimately familiar with this subject, and uh, I am asking God, Jesus, please, <laughs> please, uh, please help us right now. Yeah. We need it. Soften our hearts. Well, this is a really hard topic for me, partially because um, my dad was a very angry person, and he was easily angered. Um, so there's this sort of walking on eggshells type of environment that you were describing and and I hated it. So I always thought in my mind that I wasn't going to be him and I'm not going to be that angry dude. And I I thought pre-recovery, I thought I wasn't. Um, but the more that I learn going through recovery, the more I realize that no, I like, I do get angry and this passive aggressive anger is one. And I remember a time when I got like really overtly angry with my kids it's one of the most embarrassing stories that I ever share. I don't even remember what was going on, but we were in the garage. It was all four of us. So my wife, me, and our two kids, we have two boys. They were probably barely preteen. And my son did something or said something. And I like literally picked up his bike and threw it across the garage. Oh, wow. I was so angry. And it was... It was it was insane, and like that was one time where pre recovery where I actually realized I needed to apologize to my wife, and I did, but it was a really um, shameful moment for me, and uh, that's about the, the the you know I've never struck anyone, but I've been tempted for sure, um, and and it, and it's it makes me sad uh, because here I was I thought I was quote unquote better than my dad. Um, And, you know, I've realized that that's not the case. There's this, um, I don't know if we'll be able to see this very well, but there's this, in in Corey's book, he has these continuums um, that are really interesting. And there's one on assertiveness. Uh, So so think of, you know, this line as a continuum with extreme behaviors on the, the left and the right, and the middle being the healthy behavior, right? So in the middle of this assertiveness scale is assertiveness, and <clears throat> um, on the on the left 
is passivity, um, which is causing silence and withdrawal uh, as the extremely unhealthy on, on one, one end of the spectrum. And then on the other end of the spectrum, so that's the silence, right? And then on the other end of the spectrum is aggression that's resulting in anger or criticism um, and that being the unhealthy behavior on the right. And, and so, you know, I don't want to swing wildly back and forth between these two. I want to get my, my momentum settled in the middle where, you know, I can be assertive without being either controlling with silence or being overly aggressive. Um, Listen to what he says here. As the pendulum swings from the left to the right, tension builds and silence explodes into anger and aggression. Sometime later, the anorexic may feel justified to act out in, in the addiction in order to feel better and or to punish their partner. I think that that's, that sound familiar? Unfortunately. Um, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's very familiar. And um, yeah, there, there, there's literally so much that, that I'm, I'm having, I'm having trouble coming up with specific examples. Yeah, th- th- this this one I I I find really sensitive. Um, I know for me, like I mentioned with my dad, and and it, it's a it's a it's hard to wrap my head around, especially because you know they they say that anger is a secondary emotion, and uh, so it's this is really closely tied to what we talked about last week, right? Um, or actually two weeks ago when when we were talking about feelings. So there's some underlying feeling that's at the root of making me want to protect myself okay, by here, using anger. Here it is. Is that to me, anger looked like a volcano is that, um, beneath the, the surface of the volcano, you have this molten rock, you have all of these pressures that are happening, these different plate shifts and earthquakes and all these factors that are happening underneath the surface. And almost unexpectedly the volcano will erupt and continue to, to spew a path of absolute destruction mm-hmm. and, and anything in it, in, in the path of this molten lava coming out of this volcano gets destroyed. And that's, that was me when, when I got angry, there was all this pain and hurt or depression and sadness inside that would just go unexpressed, 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 unexpressed. And eventually the only thing that came out with this was this is eruption of raw emotion that was so hurtful and so controlling that I've burned so many bridges in my life with people that had this been more under control, I would still be friends with today. Right. And, and, and underlying that, that eruption is this, is is your psyche, your ego, trying to protect yourself? Yeah, because <clears throat> because that molten um, lava that you're talking about are things like hurts and fears and you know being rejected or humiliated, um, frustrated. Right, Th- these underlying 
feelings that then cause me to get angry. And, and oftentimes, to me, it's also it goes back to the expectations. I have expectations. They're not met the way I want them to be. Therefore, I'm angry. Things should always be my way. You know what I noticed, too, is that it was a it, there's there's a choice. There's like a moment of inflection where I have this choice. I can like go through the anger ritual or I can back off. Mm. And even when I'm in the anger ritual, I have moments of clarity like maybe I should let this one go. Um, and I'll give you an exact example is that I, I'm sure there are some people listening that they have been angry and then they get a phone call from somebody who you're not angry with, and then you answer it, and it's like, oh, hello, how yeah. are you? you turn, instantly, turn it off. Instantly, yeah. instantly yeah. like a switch. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. If I can instantly go from anger to pleasantry and then back to extreme anger, maybe there's maybe there's a way to, I don't know, maybe there's a fruit of the spirit here. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That that can be That can be turned on, and... Um, I have noticed that um, as I've got, you know, with some sobriety under my belt, going to meetings, doing inventories, you know, working through these things, the extremeness of the emotions have been largely subdued. Yeah. Like I'll still get angry, but I, I feel myself more in the middle of that pendulum of like just being assertive. Um, Pastor Rick from Saddleback Church he gives an example of two kinds of people in a relationship. One is the turtle mm. who, when they're hurt or upset, they kind of just withdraw into their shell. And then the skunk who wants to let everybody know that they're angry. And mm -hmm. I think what's being demonstrated with, with this pendulum is that neither is really the right thing. It's it's more of an in-the-middle kind of yeah. healthy place. <clears throat> totally. And I love what you're talking about in that example where you, you instantly switch off the anger. So that just tells us two things. One, it's a choice. Yes. And two, I have a lot more control over it than I'm going to claim that I do. You made me mad. Well, not really. I got mad. And someone else came to the door, and all of a sudden, I wasn't mad. Do you see the logic in that? Do you do you guys see the 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 attic logic of you made me do this? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm gonna throw a dish at the wall. You made me do that. You didn't make me do jack. Right. That was my choice. Amen. That's right. Listen to this in um, in Corey's book, Out of the Darkness. He's got a, a confession in talking about anger. I would also punish her with silence for not reading my mind or meeting my needs, which I did not disclose to her. After all, she should just know. I felt I really did not need her anyway because I believed I had no needs. People needed me. I didn't need them. Wow. Crazy, right? Wow. And how, how close to home does that hit? Uh... You know, I expect my wife to know my needs without telling her. That, that's oftentimes a complaint that men have of women. Like, how am I supposed to read your mind? Women expect me to read their minds. Well, I expect my wife to know exactly what I want, even when I don't tell her. I mean, that's just in, insane, right? Or, you know, I wear it, right? 
like she should be able to tell what I need based on all my nonverbal and how standoffish I am or right. Like, you know, where's that? Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Simply communicate. We could go deeper on that, but I want to keep this going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this is crazy. So, um, I got one. I, I, I know you were talking about this, but I, I want to go deeper on that is expecting my wife to do something extremely specific in a very specific moment. And then, and then holding on to that image in my mind defiantly until she does it. And then I like validate that I had this like perfect plan <laughs> and I've done it where like, I'll go, I'll go like pout in my bedroom until my wife will come in sometimes hours later and say, is everything okay? Like what happened? Mm. And then I'll just explode. Like, you know, just waiting for that moment of like, I told you, right. So childish, <laughs> you know, yeah. but, but just holding on to this image of this scenario that needs to happen. Like I have the perfect comeback. I have the perfect thing. That's going to sting so bad that you're just going to melt and just say, Oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. You guess what happens, John, when I actually act out that image, no one just says, I'm sorry. They fight back. Yeah. It's the defense mechanism. They're going to, you're going to, they're going to push back just as, just as hard as you're pushing just like this. Yeah. When I go on the offensive, why should I be surprised if someone gets defensive? Hold out your fist for a second. Yeah. I'm, I'm pushing on John's fist right now and he's, he's demonstrating Naturally. An, an, an equal reaction back. Yeah. It's the exact same thing with, with, with human communication. Oh man. Yeah. Well, and, and back on this secondary emotion thing, because remember when we talked about feelings, um, we talked about doing a feelings exercise, right? There's a list of feelings, yeah. um, practice, understanding your feelings. Because remember, part of the intimacy anorexic trait was an unwillingness or an inability to share feelings. And when we have the inability to express our feelings, yeah. default equals anger, right? Because everybody knows anger, <laughs> Or isolation, go to a dark place and jerk off, you know? Yeah. So I think, you know, doing that feelings exercise, being able to tap into these underlying emotions and then being able to be vulnerable with someone to say, you know, I'm feeling, my feelings were hurt by this and I feel like that's going to lead me to get angry with you. And Uh, can we talk about it? You know, you know what else? I'm going to add another layer of complexity to this. What else would be adding alcohol to the mix for me? Um, Adding alcohol to this equation was exceptionally dangerous because, first of all, the alcohol would numb the adverse underlying feelings that I would have, not the secondary outcome, which was anger, but I would then numb the sadness, the pain, the hurt, the whatever else was going on, the feelings of alone or shame or rejection. Um, And then entering this anger ritual without any inhibitions. Yeah, right. Add alcohol to the mix, a little bit of whiskey, add some, add some marijuana, add some Ritalin or Adderall, and you've got yourself a recipe for absolute disaster yeah. that <laughs> like a wrecking ball. It's a total wrecking ball. Yeah, and, they, and this, and, and this particular emotion 
ladies and gentlemen, when it goes expressed, it doesn't just, there's not just like a valve that gets released and like, oh, you know, I got angry and now everything's fine. No, it begets more anger. It's a snowball. There's mm. no way to stop it when it's going. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and let's go to the Bible on some stuff. And first of all, say like anger in and of itself, not a sin. Right. And then we can see plenty of places where Jesus is getting angry. Righteously. Righteous anger and, and the, the sin Assertive. is— What the Bible says is, in your anger, do not sin. That's mm-hmm. in Ephesians 4.26. Yeah. So, so Jesus was able to get angry without sinning. Uh, I, I think I'm not able to get angry without sinning. Um, so, you know— trying to to listen to the advice of like James 119 of being slow to speak, slow to get angry and quick to listen is good advice, hard simple advice, hard to implement. Um in verse 20 of James 1, he says, which is right after that, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So <clears throat> while anger is not a sin, I think we need to do as much as we can to limit our anger, um, especially that we direct towards our spouse or our kids, right? I mean, it's okay to be, there's a lot of stuff to be angry about, right? Sex trafficking, be angry about that. Abortion, you can be angry about that. Murder, violence, craziness, right? Some of the things that are going on in our world. But to to get angry that... My wife is reminding me that there are brake lights ahead of me yeah. and to watch out for the millionth time oh, no. and then snapping. Yeah. Is that really a righteous anger? I don't think so. I know, but that that's a pet peeve of mine as well. My <laughs> wife does this like, <gasps> I, we're like three car lengths from the car in front of us. <clears throat> her, so her, my wife's reaction is like, it's really, you look at the root, it's not to offend me yeah. or to hurt me it's, in any way. That's right. It's to protect. It's to protect. Yeah. And for me to get angry at that, it short circuits her emotional pathway. She And it just doesn't make any sense. I know. Sorry. But, but no, this is a really good one because cause I totally identify. I'm sure a lot of people do. And and while her her motivation is to protect... I see it as criticism on how bad of a driver I am, <laughs> right? That's how I'm going to take it. Right. And because and, it's like, oh, my gosh, you're always risking our lives. You're such a dangerous maniac behind the wheel, right? It's like <laughs> she's not saying any of that. No. She's just like, whoa, there's brake lights ahead. Better slow down. That's it. But that's not how I take it. <clears throat> okay, so there is an exercise. Um that is going to take us a minute to go through. This is called the ABC Thinking Report, and um, it's actually ABCDE. <clears throat> and I'll walk you through the acronym, and then we can do an example because I have one um, from my past. So A is the activating event. What happened outside myself that activated or triggered my thoughts? So objectively, I'm going to write down what did I see, hear, taste, touch, or smell. So this is in the example we were just talking about, you know, my wife telling me to slow down. Um, B, beliefs and thoughts. So this is where, and we're, you know, doing this on a piece of paper. List 
my thoughts without judging, interpreting, or censoring them. So, you know, so I'm trying to put myself back in that moment. And what were my immediate thoughts as if there was a tape recorder going on in my brain, right? And then I, then in step C, I'm going to look and see, can I identify the feelings and behaviors that were the outcome of that? And then the D is to dispute that. So how would I dispute that the immediate problem thoughts that I brought up in section B? Um, and then E is new emotion. So what would be the new emotion or feeling based on my new thoughts? So I'm like Monday morning quarterbacking this scenario and going back and saying, okay, what did I do wrong here? It's like you know looking at game film. <clears throat> and then I try to tease out what behavior would change. So what would I say or do differently from that? So here's a, um, I did one of these. I, I haven't done one in a long time. I, I did several of them early in recovery. This is back in 2015. And um, so we had this incident where, uh, remember, uh, um, I like to ride my bike. Mm -hmm. And um, I was taking a car and I was dropping one of the cars off for service. And then I was going to ride my bike. But I didn't clearly communicate that. And, um, you know, the, the place where we dropped the car off is like seven miles from home. Mm -hmm. And I ro rode for like 20 miles, right? So mm -hmm. uh, quite a circuitous route home. Uh, and that pissed my wife off. So here's what I said. So the activating event was this dispute about biking, like, you know, my definition of a bike ride versus dropping the car off and coming straight home. Um, and the, so my wife was triggered, angry, and she felt manipulated. <clears throat> so then in the B section, this is listing the thoughts. Um, I wrote resentment, like, I want to ride my bike. What's the big deal? Um, minimize. It's a short ride. I can handle it. I need my wife to be comfortable with me riding my bike. Uh, this rationalization of, well, biking was only used once or twice as a reason for acting out. <clears throat> Blame. I was blaming her. She should have known what I meant when I said that I wanted to take a ride versus just riding home. You see the nuance there? Mm -hmm. um, I had frustration. You know, why can't she trust me? I felt entitled. I, I, had been, I hadn't been riding my bike for years um, while giving my wife time to heal. And I just wanted to ride my bike. And I thought I was doing it in a respectful way by, you know, kind of multitasking and taking the car in. Um, and so I kind of combined sections B and C there. Uh, it wasn't super cl clear to me. So, but this is basically, you know, all of the things that I was thinking that now I need to go back and dispute all those, right? <clears throat> because when I, when I wrote them all down, they seemed really ridiculous, selfish, and manipulative, right? I mean, you, I'm sure somebody listening would be like cr cringing at those thoughts. Like, dude, how could you think that? <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's the problem. So, uh, and I had created this fear for my wife around biking, right? I, I used to ride my bike pre-recovery way too much. I would be gone for hours and hours and hours. Um, biking was tied to I was doing triathlons and I was trying to get really fit. And I was trying to use that as a way to have this, you know, super fit. And that made me arrogant and prideful. Um, and then, you know, I, I did tell my wife I was going biking 
um, when I was actually going to act out. <clears throat> uh, and then lastly, the hours I would spend on my bike, I would, I was always, almost always riding alone. And, um, so I would fill myself with a lot of negative self-talk running these scenarios of confrontations that I needed to have with my wife or, uh, blaming her for this, that, or the other thing, or, you know, fantasizing how much better my life would be with somebody else. Um, and so none of that was good. Um, and then there's the selfishness of, of wanting to bike, um, combined with the resentment of not getting to do whatever I wanted. Um, so that's why I was manipulating. And then I had no empathy. Um, you know, it was easy for me to rationalize, uh, saying that like, you know, I can bike with balance. Um, and you know, we have actually over time gotten to a point where that is something that I can do, but it took a long time. <clears throat> um, and I was also offended that, well, automatically, you know, if I'm biking, that means I'm off doing something bad. So then the E section, the new emotion, um, it would be, you know, putting myself in a place of empathy, realizing I hurt my wife with my bike riding. It makes her uncomfortable. Her concerns are valid, and I need to be completely transparent. I need to be honest about my desire to ride my bike, how far, how long. I need to be reassuring um, of how I'm going to ride it. I need to not get defensive if she pushes back. Um, and then the behaviors that I needed to change um, were, you know, putting myself in a more positive mindset. Um, taking the the ride as this way to immerse myself in creation. Um, I also, at the time, there was an app called Glimpse, so I would glimpse. It was like a tracking app. So I would turn that on so my wife could always see where I was mm -hmm. while I was riding. Uh, and just doing more things to have better transparency and accountability. So <clears throat> this is hard, doing these things. Um but taking some kind of event, running it through this process, I think will really help us better not just deal with anger, but really deal with any of our emotions. But but ordinarily, uh, I, th I think anger is the res is the result of a lot of these activating events. And so running it through this process and challenging the thoughts that I had, just like we did on the car thing, right? I mean, we kind of did a mini version of this uh, organically without having the framework. Right. <clears throat> by saying, oh, my wife is really saying this, but I'm interpreting as that, I need to remember next time she's, she says, slow down, or hey, there's brake lights, or does the, ah, like braces herself for impact, I don't overreact, and I just say, oh, sorry, I needed to slow down, or hey, I think we're okay, or, you know, something, but just not, not take it to where it's like, get pissed off, and then I want to withdraw, because ordinarily, when my wife does that, that's what I want to do. Like, I don't want to talk to her anymore. I'm like, I'm, I'm mad. This is stupid. Why are you criticizing my driving? What I, sometimes what I want to say is, why don't you drive? Yeah, I'm guilty of saying that. <laughs> I have to literally sometimes bite my tongue not to say it because that's the first thought. Why don't you drive then? You know what's coming to mind here is... just this this whole framework seems like it's just just stop looking at myself my own viewpoints here like 
what's 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 my part in this situation? How does Jesus see this situation? Mm-hmm. If he were looking at this situation, what would he say? Yeah. And 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 to uncover the the that that sort of chatter that's going on in your brain, you're and yeah, listening to it, I'm thinking wow, thank you for being so 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 honest with those things. But I think you're right. Once once you put them down on paper, I can see how ridiculous they really are. Yeah. Like I really thought that. Yeah. But if they're if they're stored up here, locked in your mind, they feel so big and overwhelming. On the page, there's something that happens when it's when it's when it's like out of the mind. Then then you can really look at it until it's out. You can't look at it. Right. I think you're right. Exactly. And getting it out. And then being able to challenge it to be to, to especially when you're out of the situation, because now you're not angry. I'm, I'm going back and I'm looking at something that happened before uh, and I can look at it with much more reasonable eyes and I can see, oh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of lame. Look, you guys have probably been asked to do something like this at work. Did your boss ever ask you for a report? Like, you know, you know what to do. Like, this isn't that hard to take to sit down and write through a situation. It's just a matter of doing it and feeling just 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 being compelled to do so. So let this be your invitation yeah, to take a scenario today and, and, and go through this process and just just write out these things. Yeah. What were the what was the activating event? What are the beliefs and thoughts around this? You know, what are the feelings and behaviors? What, what, you know, can you dispute those? What's the new emotion you want to have? And, yeah. and, and what's that sort of healthy action plan moving it, forward? Exactly. I, I think that's great. And, and, um, we are all without a shortage of activating events. <laughs> so there's plenty of opportunities to practice this. And I, I would uh, encourage everyone to just give it a shot. Uh, I think we can learn a lot about ourselves and, and we can learn to start to take these thoughts captive. That's something that we're told to do in the Bible, right? Take our thoughts captive and make them obedient to the word of Christ. And and this is a good way to practice that. Hey, so I want to share, um, There, there's, a, there's one of our listeners, I won't name him by name, um, he listens to our podcast um, on Tuesday nights after, the, after they're released. And he shared with me the other night, um, that, you know, right after one of our stories, um, he was prompted to go ask his wife some feedback. Hey, what was I like when I was drinking mm. and received it? And, uh, I just wanted to say, brother, um, you know, thank you for putting that into place and anybody else listening, it's okay to hit pause. And if you feel particularly inspired by, by any one of our, any, anything that we're saying, um, and, and you can take a small action toward that, inc- including this writing exercise. Please do so. Um, if you if you can just do it now, you know, tomorrow may never come. You say, I'm going to do it later. Later just has this way of getting pushed off and pushed off and pushed off. Um, if you're feeling called to action, take the action, even if it's small. That, that's all I would say. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to that brother for having the courage. Um because some some of this stuff is hard. I uh, I 
after preparing for this the other night, I, I went to my wife and I'm like telling her, hey, we're going to be talking about anger. And I was almost like fishing for it. It was like, I'm better at this now, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was not the best time to ask her because she was super frustrated about something else. Um, but she uh, acknowledged that, that I've gotten better. So that was nice to hear. Yeah, hey, I think it's open share time. How about that? <laughs> All right, let's do it. Open share on anger. Hey, hey, you guys, my name is John. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm in recovery for sex addiction, and I struggle with intimacy anorexia. Hey, John. Hey, you guys. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I don't want to be known as an angry person. I don't want – I'm really sad that I modeled passive-aggressive – and overt anger to my kids for as long as that I, as long as I did, um, especially the passive aggressive. I see that coming out in my kids sometimes, um, where they just want to withdraw when they're mad. Uh, and there's really no, no ability to talk about why they're mad. Um, I I shouldn't say no, you know, there's just a reluctance. And so, I, I really want to be in a place where me, my wife, my kids, they can feel comfortable coming to me and I can feel comfortable coming to them with the underlying feelings that are leading me towards being angry. So I really ask the Holy Spirit to help me better understand my feelings, to be able to better communicate my feelings, to be have to have more boldness and vulnerability to be able to say, hey, this is how I'm feeling and this is why. And not not as a way to hurt my wife or to manipulate her, but it's just as a way to be known. Thanks, guys. I'm John. Thanks, John. Hey, guys. I'm Chris, grateful believer in Jesus Christ in recovery for alcohol, sex, porn, money, and codependency. Guys, um, anger is is um, is hard for me. And it's hard for me right now because I'm I'm reading through the Bible cover to cover at the moment and I started in the beginning and I made it through Leviticus I'm in numbers I'm almost through numbers and I'm reading about what on the surface level appears to be a very angry god a very sort of vengeful god you know oh you didn't tap your you you decided to tap your staff on the rock you know you don't get to go to Israel now and 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 that to me that seems like re- really harsh but then I and then I then I then I start to like really think about the care and love of God guiding this people from a pagan land through through the wilderness and the desert, continuing to care for them, and then they arrive at this moment where they can choose to have faith or to um, sort of test that faith one more time. And you know, I, I I can see how as as God is is sort of crafting this you know holy group of people to eventually bring Jesus through. I can I can see how he got there in a very righteous way, and then I can also see how Jesus painted a picture of righteous anger when he was in the temple courts, and they're selling sacrifices and and trying to monetize the pathway to to, to accessing God, and he's saying this is this is absolutely ridiculous, and he modeled a, a righteous anger. So I'm I'm asking Jesus right now, could you could you could you continue to show me what? good anger looks like. I don't think this emotion will ever be totally purged from my life, but could you please show me how to express it in a healthy way? Thanks guys. Oh, thanks Chris. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. 
that uh, that reference to the Old Testament, it's so true. I, you read through that, and it's like, you know, wiping out villages and leaving, you know, killing the women and children, and it's like, what? And and there's a couple things there. One, like in the staff thing that you mentioned, like God knows our hearts. He knows the motivations and he's ultimately just and he knows what's right and wrong. And even though it feels wrong to our sensibilities, um, his ways are higher than our ways. That's the other thing, right? Like, uh, who am I to question, you know, why he thinks it's okay to wipe out entire villages in the Old Testament. I mean, he knows something that we don't know. Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for putting John and I together to share this recovery lifestyle with others. Thank you for putting the recovery lifestyle on John's heart in the first place. Thank you for Celebrate Recovery. Thank you for... I just There's so many things to be grateful for. Um, I hope something we said in, in today's message... Um, help somebody else. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.